0: Released on Sunday, September 14th, 2014. This Agile Life, episode 62 Death Rattle.
1: Our sponsor tonight
0: is CodeShip. CodeShip is continuous delivery made simple.
2: Try right, CodeShip for free. Setup only takes three minutes at codeship.io. The software industry transforms more and more every day.
0: Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones.
2: The question is, are
1: you agile enough? This podcast is devoted to agile and lean
2: software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on This Agile Life.
0: Hello, everyone. I'm the host of This Agile Life, John Sextro. Joining me today are my co-hosts, Samus King. Hey, John. Good evening. I'm really excited to be here tonight. You are super excited, Amos. You are all jacked up. You're up you're like uh, hopped
1: up on hops and barley and the uppers and the a,
0: downers and
1: I've just had a long quiet day and it's time to get loud and and just have fun.
0: Too much parental supervision for you, so now you're ready to cut loose for a
1: while. That's right. I gotta be appropriate in front of the children. Also with us, Craig Buchek.
2: Hello from Chile, St. Louis. Yeah, what the heck?
1: It was 100 last week.
2: It wasn't 100. It's like like 55 now here. I know.
1: I like it. I know. I love the heat.
0: Guys, let's dive right in. Today, we're going to spend some time talking about the health of your Agile project, or maybe more importantly, the health of your agility. As, As a... As we've all experienced from time to times, from time to time, sometimes our Agile foo is better than other times. Can you say time one more time? No.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We have no time for that.
0: (laughs) And sometimes our agility is faltering, sometimes it's doing great, but... Our question to work tonight and to discuss and to try to provide some answers at least some discussion around is what do you do if things aren't working so well? If You're all the time.
2: Well, first of all, how do you know?
0: Yeah. First how do you, do you know? To figure
2: out how we know.
1: Is it a gut, is it a gut sort of feeling? <laughs> so I'd like to say that It's something that you should talk about in your retrospective. But uh, what happens when you're not even having those anymore? Like,
2: well, yeah.
1: Go ahead. One of the things I
2: like to do in a retrospective is the what I call the happiness metric, Um, and and I call it a temperature as well. Um, So we have the we do it in two different phases. Actually, we have the personal happiness and how is the team doing, and they're both temperatures uh, from zero to ten. So. 10 meaning I can't imagine doing any better and zero meaning uh, things are falling apart and I should have left yesterday. Um, So that's one of the ways I gauge how the team is doing um, and how individuals are doing. And we track those over time and and graph and um, we can see sort of, um, sort of quantitizing a, a qualitative feeling, which is the best I can figure and, we can do on that.
1: And I've done this with you. We we also do it anonymously, right? Right.
2: Although I I wish I had a tool that would track individuals over time and, you know, see how it it's sort of anonymous but tracking individuals. That would be more interesting to me. I,
1: I, I think it would be better to say maybe this person is on a downward trend or an upward trend than this person put
2: a two, you know. Right, that's what I'm trying to get at there with anonymous trends.
0: How would you do that? How would you have it anonymous? I don't want to spend too much time on this, but how would you be? How would you do that? Like it would just be like person one, person two, and and somehow they would they would have the ability to self rate, and then you could go back and look.
1: Okay, person one, yeah, but is well, trending basically, up, person two,
2: basically, trending the down. tool would have to keep a cookie on and, and I, on, on who they are, but uh, or they
1: log in. I I think that. That would be fantastic because you could have let's say you have a team of five and you have three guys on that team that their um, happiness level seems to be increasing and you have uh, two people on the team that their happiness is going down and if you look at overall happiness you may see an uptrend or an even trend and think that everything's kind of Okay, or at least not changing. But if you could look at individuals, you could see, holy cow, I have these two people that are dropping all the time, right? And you know, and, and it wouldn't even have to tell you who they are; it just says, hey, you've got two people dropping.
0: Consider <laughs> this: uh, you could have an instance where everyone's happiness is going up because all of those people hate agile, hate agility, and your project is becoming less and less agile. So happiness may not be the uh, the best way to assess whether or not your agility is working or how you're how you're doing with your agile adoption.
2: I actually had a case where I was taking happiness metrics and people didn't care enough to actually be honest, and so they'd just pick a random number every week. <laughs> so yeah, yeah so th- it's it's not a perfect measure, uh, but it's it's one gauge I, I've used as a tool.
1: I've also had people tell me that their happiness was so low for so long that uh, they just started putting like 8s, 9s, 10s all the time because it didn't matter anyway, right? And they thought that if they made other people in the team feel good, that the team might at least do a little better as a whole.
0: And what <laughs> is what is that what is that an example
1: of depression?
2: <laughs> I, think, I don't know. I think it's what are a you Giving up, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think it's an example of giving up, and maybe that's an indicator in and of itself.
2: Right, it's true. But when when you hard to tell when that's happening.
0: It's hard to it's It's hard to tell when people have given up because they're uh, cheating or lying on their self ratings. Yeah, but I mean, you have a gut feeling, don't you, for your team, for your project, for your your level of agility that that says to you, I feel like there's something wrong. And if everyone around you is um, is behaving as if nothing is wrong.
1: <laughs> I would I would say when you get up in the morning or you don't want to get up in the morning and mm-hmm. go to work on a regular basis. I mean, we all have late nights sometimes and we just don't want to get out of bed. But when the reason you don't want to get out of bed is because of work then I would say that's a pretty darn good feeling that, hey, something's going on.
2: I think Amos must know me pretty well or not even realize it, but that's, that's how I know when things are not going well. Um, I get stressed and I don't sleep well and I'm cranky when I wake up. I don't want to wake up. And I have this weird thing where I keep stressing my feet. <laughs> my feet hurt when I wake up. So that that's an indicator to me that things aren't going well.
1: I catch myself really having to um, do everything I can to not snap at people.
0: Well, there's a difference here between things aren't going well or you're stressed out and, and whether or not agility is working, your agile adoption is, is taking hold and it is, is progressing. So we need to differentiate the two in, in certain circumstances and maybe in, in, in the circumstance that Craig was referring to where his feet were hurting which is quite interesting that he carries his stress in his feet. I know it's weird. Um it it could be that you're just you're just having a rough a rough time a rough a rough go of it, right? That but at your your agility could be going great. There's a difference between your personal feelings of satisfaction and the success of agility. So they may be tied together because you're ag- you both are agile practitioners just but just because Uh, you're having a rough day or you're having a series of rough days does not necessarily mean that agile is failing. So what are some things that we can try and use as leading indicators that agility is failing on a project?
2: Well, actually that's why I have the second metric, which is how do you think the team is doing? And, and that helps measure sort of things that are external to myself to, to extract those, those things. Um, Beyond that, um, if basically you're you're losing discipline, it's probably the biggest indicator. Um, any any of the disciplines that Agile teaches, if you start losing those, that's a big indicator. Um, if you stop having retrospectives, if you stop doing TDD, uh, I,
1: I would I would say anytime you have a uh, a large number of things that the team has agreed as how they're going to work, whether that be through organically through retros or some kind of formal team uh what is that called um like the document of how the teams can act but anytime you have like a large number of those things quickly starting to fall off where people just stop doing them
0: the working agreements right
1: there you go that's that's a good word yeah
0: well i think i think that there's some other things that we should maybe consider as Part of a, a health check. So if you're in, if you're a doctor of agility,
1: number of hours you work in a week.
0: Yeah, I mean that sustainable pace. That's uh, that's one of the core tenets, right? Is to work sustainable pace. Um, focus on the software as opposed to various other things, documentation, process. Um, so if. If the focus starts to wander away from delivering a quality product towards delivering documentation or delivering a process for the sake of process, those could start to be indicators as well. Have you guys uh, personally or in the past or in in, in the recent history or have any experience with some leading indicators that started to tip you off that things were going wrong? Beyond what beyond what we've already mentioned here,
2: um, one of the things probably I don't I don't know if it's an indicator or not, but something I've always had difficulty with is um, decisions get made at a retrospective to, to do something new, try something different, and basically an action item, and and it doesn't get done. Okay, um,
1: we're going too slow. No more testing. Right, I've heard that a lot and watch teams just completely fall apart over the next 3 or 4 months while they do that.
0: Right? Sometimes hopefully sometimes you can come back from from that decision. I I've, I've been on projects where where someone managerial has come in and said we're going to suspend testing.
1: That's the only time I've seen it.
0: Yeah. Uh to Craig's point <clears throat> about an action item that was that was decided upon by the team in the retrospective and then not executed on. I've seen something where I actually thought you were going to go with that comment, Craig. Was to say when when external forces, uh, usually managerial forces, start to uh, start to make recommendations and or mandate behaviors on the team without any participation from the members of the team. That to me is. Something that I've seen in a number of cases in organizations where I've been, where their agile adoption really started to fail, these directors and managers start to swirl around, and they're like, "Do this, do that," you know, rather than letting the team try to work things out on their own. They swoop in and and go back to old world methods of, "We need a roadmap and a and a Gantt chart and." A series of inch stones on a on a gantt chart.
1: I would say that comes from that. That means that there's less input from the people in the trenches, and when they start having their input taken away or devalued, they lose trust in the system. They lose the want to communicate. Um, or, motivation. And, moti- motivation. Yeah. Um, Every whenever you, whenever you feel that your opinion no longer means anything and at one point it did, it kind of just shuts you out.
2: Yeah, I've, I've seen both of those situations where, where you know, we had trouble executing on what we were trying to do and then management coming in and, and basically poo-pooing the agile principles and and causing you to knowingly work less efficiently.
1: Well, they don't always realize that they well, make those decisions but, based on thinking that they're making you more efficient.
2: Right. right, but I say I know I'm working less efficiently and that that hurts.
1: And I think you're you as the person doing the work probably can tell first. I'm not saying that management can't tell, but you notice first on whether you are being less efficient or not. Right. So maybe that's when whenever you start to say, "Look, I'm being less efficient." It's time to look at is this an internal issue that I need to take care of? Or is this a team issue and um, systemic to the organization?
0: I have another um, example where I think is a clear indicator that agility is starting to fail. Uh, I've had an experience at a client that will remain nameless where they were having success with agility. They uh, They had a handful, a small handful of projects, two or three projects, that were executing using Scrum as the foundation, though not necessarily a textbook implementation. I know Amos is giving me the yuck face. And Craig's laughing. Hey, but it was working. So hey, I, that's,
1: you know, and if it works, that's a good you, start. That at keep least. it up. Keep it up. Yeah.
0: yeah. So they are having success. They they then want it to use the S word. They want it to scale. They want it to start Scalable.
2: to... Agile framework? Oh, no.
0: Well, they just wanted to scale Agile to other parts of the department and other parts of the organization. And, of course, they didn't know how to do that. They didn't bother to ask anyone how to do that. What they did was they just brought in a handful of directors and said, we want you to scale this Agile methodology to other parts of the organization. And when they did that, those directors came in, had no real clue about what they were doing and started to dismantle the existing agile projects that were successful. So this was an indicator when they started to dismantle those projects and take people and move them, uh, rearrange things that your agility is going to start to suffer because they're breaking up, you know, um, a team that has a good cadence, that has a rhythm. that's In one of the nice stages of team fundamentals, you know, forming, storming, norming, performing, all of that stuff. If you've got a team that's in norming or performing and and it starts to get ripped apart, that's going to affect your team's performance. And then, of course, your ability to execute. So significant changes to the structure of a team. Including adding a bunch of people. And and that's where right. I was gonna go next.
1: Amos. Okay, because that's a that's a big thing that I've seen where somebody thinks that, hey, we're gonna add we're gonna double the size of this team. It's ten people, we're gonna make it twenty in the next three months. And they're just gonna kick butt and and
2: <laughs> that's funny double that's and,
1: and double their progress. And then they're like, Oh, why is your progress still about the same? Like it doesn't change much. Well, So now we're showing everybody how to do everything or, and we're back to storming Uh and then we we are pre-storming
2: and and informing.
1: Yeah.
0: And going through the, the cycles that are there sometimes, because it takes a while. Sometimes you have to, you have to form, storm, reform, storm before you can go on to norming. And of course to performing. But I have a saying that I've been using with, with some of my clients regarding scaling. And that, that saying is that I say, to scale your agility, you need to scale via multiplication and not addition. And then, of course, I have some fancy consultant slides that I show them. And it's a, it's a fancy consultant uh, tagline, right, Craig, that, that people in, with, with ties on like to hear. But so,
2: so, so continue the with with the metaphor. Yeah, because because I usually think of multiplication as bigger changes than addition,
0: of course. And and the metaphor continues that it's not simply a mathematic thing. But what Amos was talking about, a lot of people's natural reaction to wanting to scale is to add people to a project and or a team. And what I say is rather than trying to add people to that team, leave that team alone because that team is norming or performing. Now multiply that team across your organization, create more small teams to scale.
1: Oh, gotcha. So, so two four person teams working on a project instead of one eight person team.
0: Yeah. If you have one four person team today, don't, cram more people into that team, right? Because but, but how do get you get
2: the ideas from the original performing team to the other teams you want to help perform?
0: Why do you need to do that?
2: Well, they need to be not everybody the same want. way. Well, true. But how do we get a new team to move from you know old methods that aren't working very well to improved agile methods?
1: So my thing is you know, even if you want to double the size of a team, move in one person, wait three or four months, move in one more, wait three or four months, take the two of them, break them off at that point to another team and add a, one person to them. Yeah. wait but three or four months add another person.
0: Usually an organization has zero patience for that sort of <laughs> thing. Right. They don't have a
1: year to build that second team.
0: No. Right. So build a brand new team. Inject it with uh, the, the same sort of thoughts and, and information that you, you did when you built the first team. Try to recreate recreate that, that, um, that process that you used for creating that first
1: team. Start with a basic set of, here's how we're going to work today and through our own retros, not through the other team's retros, we will change how we work. So you have that basic set. And then you can also do things like lunch and learns where one team talks about, hey, here's how we do this, and we just have lunch with everybody.
2: Right. Before you get to that, though, I think you need to start the new team with with an agile coach and some agile training just to help get them up to speed on, okay, well, how can we be performant? Um, what, what are the things we I, should know to work well as a team together?
1: I think that depends on who you're staffing that team with
2: right if if they're agile experts and they've worked on several agile teams and and been successful then then they can sort of spread the word but or you, can, you can hire me of those team. people ex- exactly yeah you
1: just hire me bring in four people we know we're already performing let's do it <laughs> that, that,
2: that, that's what i said agile coaches other agile practitioners um, i like to think of myself more as an agile practitioner than coach but that that's another way to spread the, that the, is- the knowledge
1: One suggestion, seriously, and I'm not trying to sell myself, is to find a small development team that um, goes around and does work. Bring them on and add a person to their team. And so that you, John, you know, that can get you over that hump of we need this now. And then you can slowly add people to that team and then pull there and slowly cycle them out.
2: Yeah, I've seen a lot of startups work that way. Um, They'll hire someone like Pivotal Labs to, uh, to start on their project. And then so those are basically consultants. And then once they get going and they sort of prove out the concept, they start hiring permanent employees that work with the people at Pivotal Labs, basically in the same office. And they basically build the team and move the Pivotal Labs guys out of the team.
1: And I think that's a very viable way to do those things if you can't do that already internally
0: far too often though, guys, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not completely against the theory or the idea of adding people to a team, but far too often the notion of adding someone to a team is not seriously considered and understood when you talk, when you, when you think of the effect that adding that person to that team is going to have. And everyone knows today. And if you don't, call me up and I'll come over and I'll hit you on the head with a tack hammer. <laughs> that <laughs> that add- would be painful. Yes. That's the idea <laughs> that adding a person to the team is going to slow the team down regardless of who the person is, regardless of if it's Amos or Craig for some period of time, the team will slow. Absolutely. Because you have to reset that team back to a forming storming
1: state and that person has to get up to speed. And, and the more people you add, the longer it takes to get back up to that. It just freaking
0: boggles my mind the people that have MBAs today in these organizations sitting there with thumbs up their asses thinking that they can just go around and take any person from one team to another, move them in, and it's going to be seamless. They, they think that people are like interchangeable, don't try and talk over me. <laughs> They, th- I'm on a rant. They <laughs> okay. think that people are interchangeable, pluggable units of resources that they can just move around at their whim. And I want to punch them all right in the face.
1: But if I okay, add hold a on a second. Of rant. Hour, I have an extra kilowatt. Whew.
0: Rant over. <laughs> I got to cleanse my aura. Uh, all right, Pe- people work uh, here. It turns uh, out, not uh, resources.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh God, and- <laughs> that is. Yeah, and, and what, I, what I really don't understand is there are books, whole books, written about the subject of adding people to a team in the 60s and 70s, and I'm pretty sure that people knew it in the 1800s, that you couldn't just add more people and get more done in certain jobs.
2: Well, it, it's uh, on an assembly line, it's not as big a deal, uh, but in creative work and, and knowledge work, it's, it's a huge deal.
1: Right, and not everybody in the 1800s was on an assembly line, which is why I'm saying, I'm assuming some people already (laughs) knew this back then. That's
0: true. So we definitely learned, as a culture, we learned this lesson at least 40, if not 50, if not 70 years ago, that adding people into an, an, an organism, a team organism, is going to slow them down for some period of time. So I'm not against adding people to a team. I just want everyone to be cognizant of the fact that there's an effect, there's an impact, and it's going to take that team time to ramp back up. So as an indicator that things are starting to, or are going to be falling apart, if your organization is shifting people around a lot for the sake of reorg, for the sake (laughs) of leveling resources, quote unquote resources across the organization, that that could be a leading indicator that your agility is going to suffer.
2: True.
0: Um oh, I just feel like I unburdened
1: myself. Yeah, I, I kind of feel really good after you got that out. You look more comfortable and you're smiling. I, I'm really happy for you, John.
0: I'm in a Zen <laughs> Zen place now. <laughs>
1: uh you know, right along those lines, if uh, if a company comes to me and they've changed the name of their human resources department to the human department, uh, I-, I will give them a discount.
2: <laughs> uh, so, so I worked for a company, a large beer manufacturer that changed their HR department to people. Uh, yes! So the department was called people, but they still dealt with resources. I was... Uh, oh.
1: <laughs> well, it was a step in the right direction. You know, you, yeah, they pro- uh, progress sometimes takes a, time. They had a retro a and they saw a problem and they fixed it and they just haven't seen the next problem yet. Uh-huh. <laughs> but OK, so we've got some indicators. Yeah. And let's say we're seeing them and things are starting to fall apart. We're starting to feel really unmotivated. What are some things that we can do to try to stay motivated through that?
2: Are there any uh, retrospective exercises built for building back motivation? Uh, I think there are, but I don't have the retrospective handbook in front of me to remember what they would be.
0: Well, a, a retrospective exercise is not necessarily going to inspire motivation. Just, just by the, uh, the sheer definition of, of what you're in a retrospective to accomplish. Uh, you would maybe have some exercises that are focused on having the team identify ways to re-inspire themselves and to come up with uh, other ideas for becoming inspired or getting their mojo back.
2: I think that there are actually some activities that are team-building activities that can help with motivation. Um, I think any team-building activity would actually help with some motivation.
1: Find something where you still feel like your opinion matters, mm. and and you can. I think retro is a fantastic place to do that. So, if there's an exercise that can give the team something that they can change, if manage even if management's coming in and saying you have to do this this way, well, there's other things that you can change.
0: Well, well, let's let's make a distinction here. Let's let's divide this or bifurcate to use a fancy word. Woo! (laughs) A $5 (laughs)
1: word! Thank you.
0: (laughs) That could be a show title.
1: Another $5 word. Let's
0: let's divide this into two camps of Agile issues. Let's have one camp being the organization, the management in your organization is dictating new processes, rules, etc. Okay. And then the the other camp or the other side of the coin being that agility is failing for no particular reason of management. Um, there's, there's, there's something endemic on the team and things aren't working out well. Uh, and let, so let's, let's address it from those two axes. And I think having, you know, re-inspiring motivation, etc., can deal with, deal with the one side of the coin where the, the team is, is, is just faltering. Their agility is faltering. Are there other ideas that we can use uh, to to deal with you know a team unaffected by external forces that's having problems?
1: Uh, I think that a you know Craig talked about team building exercises. I think it's more than just a retrospective. Um, maybe sometimes it takes a day. I just take a day. And let the team go, I don't know, play laser tag, um, (laughs) shoot the boss with paintballs, uh, have a movie night, have dinner together, do things outside of work. Uh, I think that that can be very motivating, very refreshing. Um, Or even give them a day to work on whatever they want, whether that be in the project or open source software. Those are fantastic, too.
2: Hmm. Yeah, and then have them show off what they did after they're done. Hey,
0: guys, here's an idea. Why not check out our sponsor, Codeship? Codeship is so simple to use. You can get your project set up and building on Codeship in as little as three minutes. If you're not using Codeship, then you're spending more time on continuous delivery than necessary. Our good friends at Codeship won't even ask you for a credit card to get you started. I know, I've done it. What are you waiting for? Maybe you're worried that you'll run into a problem or you'll have trouble getting started. Fear not. If you need help getting started, you'll find all the help you need on the Codeship blog at blog.codeship.io. Plus, their blog has tons of interesting and helpful posts and videos to help you elevate your continuous delivery. If all else fails, the good people at Codeship are easy to reach and they are always happy to help. Few things in life are easy, but this is one of them. Let Codeship make continuous delivery simple for you. Go and visit Codeship.io slash This and use the offer code This Agile Life when you sign up and you'll receive a 20% discount for three months on any paid plan. Thanks to Codeship for sponsoring This Agile Life. And now back to our discussion. I think the best people to solve this problem are of course the people on the team. And what I have done in the past is propose a little bit of a reset or a reboot, call it what you will, um, a time, a period of time for the team to get off of, of the, of of the hamster wheel for a second to step aside from the day to day operation of the team and to spend a day, two days, three days, maybe even, God forbid, a whole week, thinking about what it is that they're doing, how they're going about doing that, and, and just having a, a period of time where you're kind of going about retooling your entire setup. If, if people are having trouble, if you're, if you're not being successful, if you have stories that are, are not getting completed, if you have stories that are rolling over um, your sprint boundaries or iteration boundaries, then I think it's really time to think about spending some more time, spending a significant amount of time resetting this, your setup, resetting your process. Have you guys ever had that experience where you've been part of a team that was having problems and then were given the opportunity to kind of reboot
1: things? Um it's been a while, but yes. Uh I I was on a team and and we went out and this is where I got the laser tag idea. We went out and played laser tag and then we had uh a dinner like the next week and and the Monday of that next week when we had dinner was also just like play day. We did whatever we wanted at work.
0: And that's good for morale,
1: but it, it solves nothing.
2: I I, I don't I don't know
1: I I don't I would say that it, it solves a lot because when you go do those things you talk with your team it really does turn into a retrospective whether you're going to lunch together as a team or out to dinner or you're shooting each other in the back with paintballs there there's something therapeutic that comes out and people start to talk whenever they're outside of that normal setting and possibly whenever there's there's no other ears in shot that team starts to talk and and get to know each other and it can have a huge impact and things talked about on what we should change it really is just a different way to have a retrospective
2: so i think if morale is one of the problems then helping morale with a with an exercise or a day or some activity like that is definitely helpful um and, and, and Tyis
1: was here, he would say the whole team should do yoga every morning as their exercise.
2: <laughs> and, and I think if you have problems, I think morale tends to become a problem. so So I think it's probably effective in a lot of situations.
0: That might be that might be the first step in in your recovery. Start with morale. start with improving morale.
1: Get everybody good way to get people to talk.
0: Yeah, get everybody a little bit looser happier so that so that they're they're more willing and accepting of of additional critique feedback and then ready to think about making things better for for agile
2: so i've never seen a reset you know that was called a reset really um except when you change the makeup of the team and <laughs> so i'm going to propose if you're really having serious problems and i know that you know adding people to your team can cause problems but it can also be that reset point that might help a struggling team. Swap a person out. Or, or a couple. I mean, if, if the team's really having trouble, then um, I, if they're if I, they're really at a low point, then you're probably not going to go too much lower, so you might as well reorganize.
1: And I, th- I think that depends on where your team is and what's going on. If your team's been together for two years on the same project, maybe... A couple of them are a little burnt out. They're tired of doing accounting software. They're like, "Oh <laughs> man, I just want to do a social networking site because you know that's the next thing." <laughs> and and so y- y- if you move one or two of them, it can be a nice refreshing thing. I, I completely agree with that, Craig. Pretty awesome.
0: I've been uh, I've been in organizations where. We've we've suggested the reset. We've suggested the reboot, and it's funny, Craig, because oftentimes all of the managers swarm around and they say, "Oh my God, we 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 can't say the word reset. We we can't say the word reboot because um, you know then then the directors and the and the VPs will get the the sense that things are failing. It's like who gives a shit if we call it a reset. Call it what it is. Give everyone a chance to shift into a different lower gear and and reset things, otherwise you're going to continue you know at a hundred miles an hour down some rat hole that ends up in a disastrous ending, which in a lot of cases results in a significant turnover on that team.
1: And a lot of times when you get down into the bottom of that rat hole, it turns into people losing jobs.
2: So, so or basically, quitting. if, basically, yeah. So basically, if you don't reset in some way, which may be moving people around, people are going to move around anyway.
1: On their own. Right. Speak with your
2: feet. So, speaking <laughs> of that, how do you know when it's time? How do you know when to to give up on your team? Or, well, I guess there's two points to that question. One is. How do you give up on it? No one to give up on a team, and how do you know when it's time for you yourself to move on?
0: I think if your feet are hurting, that that's a really bad sign. (laughs) In there, (laughs) if my feet hurt, I've had the experience personally where you sit up in bed, you're not tired, you're not necessarily tired, or you're just as tired as you ever are, right? But it has nothing to do with how well you slept. It has everything to do with. The notion and the thought of you dragging yourself from your bed through your morning routine, through your morning commute, and into that office. And, and if you have, if you have a series of days or a string of weeks where you have days where you feel like you just can't get yourself out of bed, or you don't want to get out of bed, you don't want to go into that office, I think that you should stop. You should stop going in or be extremely transparent with your team.
1: Dissatisfaction. And,
0: yeah. I mean, be, be extremely transparent with everyone and say, you know, hey, boss, um, for the past three Mondays, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've had to get my wife to drag me out to the car every morning because or my significant other or SO as I've seen it abbreviated get my significant other to drag me out to the car because I can hardly bear to come in here. We need to make some changes or I'm going to make a change. That's going to be leaving. I think you, I, 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 I don't think there's anything to lose with that level of transparency. If things are that, if things are that bad, if you're already thinking about leaving, if you're already having trouble making it into the office,
1: I, I had a job where I was having that problem and I became pretty transparent about it and it didn't start really to change and then I started looking for a new job and I think that that's another way that can boost where you are sometimes just talking to other places and seeing that maybe the grass isn't always greener um, can can help re-motivate you because sometimes you're just in a slump and also when you find out what someone else is willing to offer you it gives you a good place to go back to your team and feel more confident in saying here's Here's how we need change. Here's what I think we need to do. And I need it to happen soon. And you don't have to tell them that you're getting other offers, but you know, it gives you that the gusto to come in and say something because you realize that, Hey, other people think I'm, I'm worth something. And it kind of can get away from that demotivating feeling and allow you to try to change. And that's what I did. I went and interviewed at like 10 places and felt really good about myself which gave me the confidence to come in at work and say hey look we need to make these changes and those changes happened after that and i think a lot of it was because instead of beforehand i was saying it but it was like oh we need to make these changes my life sucks i came in at it with a more confident outlook on it and i think that was perceived by the rest of the team of hey he's confident about this change that's
2: a great story
0: I want to uh, I want to offer one one piece of information that I've that I've expe- that I've noticed and experienced over my years in the industry, and I actually call this the death rattle. Um, the reason I call it the death rattle is because there's there's an actual medical term known as as the death rattle, and it's something that happens to people when they're they're nearing death. There's a certain sort of breathing. Uh, noise that sounds like a rattle that starts to occur. So it's an indicator that someone's going to pass away. And when a person goes from being um, morose and depressed on a team to all of a sudden happy, I call that the death rattle. I say, I tell people, I say, watch out because that guy was really, really unhappy. He was really acting depressed and all of a sudden he's happy. I said that means he's probably about to leave. <laughs> but having said that, uh, Amos, I think that I understand what you're saying. You want it you you got some you got your emotions propped up by talking to some other people and then them telling you you have self-worth you're valuable, you're smart. And then that inspired you to go back and make changes. And I think it also inspired you because you knew that there were, there was other grass out there that was green.
1: Yeah. I didn't, I I knew that if it didn't work, I had an option. I had an out, Mm -hmm. which gave me a lot of confidence. And, and yeah, uh, sometimes just knowing that someone else wants you can give you the, the motivation you need to make positive impact on everyone else in your team.
2: So I, I would say in some ways, if you hate your job, if you're in that situation that, that you're basically depressed and you should probably treat that like any other kind of depression and get some sort of help for it. And we should probably have a whole episode on depression. Uh, there's people in our communities that, that talk about depression among programmers. Um, and Put that as a topic in our backlog.
1: I, I agree. And, you know, one depressed person can bring the rest of the team down, and one super motivated person can bring the rest of the team up.
0: You're not talking strictly about, Craig, clinical depression, right? You're talking about a, a bout of, of depression.
2: It's still clinical depression. It doesn't matter if it's chemically induced or situationally induced.
0: Okay. I don't want to have to get the DSM 5 out or anything. But- <laughs> I mean, I mean, I th- I think that there's some differences, right? Because there's people that are clinically depressed that um has nothing to do with the situation. They can't help it. They 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 have they have a condition, and then there's people that are just unhappy. There's just people that are unhappy and depressed because because of a set of circumstances.
2: Right, but they're both treatable by similar means.
0: Well, no. They're not, because the person that has a condition, you're not going to be able to simply treat them by making their life better at work. True, true. So that's where I was trying to draw the distinction.
2: No, no I mean... I've we had, digress. I've, I've had, had, one ha- I've had chem- depression from a situation before, and, and it sometimes does require some medication. Uh, whereas if you're depressed just from brain chemicals, you're probably going to always need medication. Yeah,
1: right. It's it's a difference between having like depressive disorder and depression. A, I guess. and a I don't
2: bout know. <laughs> a bout a bout of depression. That's right. Versus the long term.
1: I'm going. I'm going versus, three rounds with depression or ten. We are not doctors.
0: <laughs> we are not doctors, and we are not providing uh, doctor level advice on how to deal with your <laughs> your bout of depression and or clinical depression. So please. Please seek medical medical help if you are experiencing depression.
1: I will say drinking heavily will not help you in either case. Yeah, alcohol is a depressant.
2: <laughs> yes, let's use a depressant to treat depression. So and let let's let's go
0: let's get this back on on track a little bit and talk about it, it, it's time to leave. Uh you've you've done everything you can, right? We'll assume that you've you've done the yeoman's work to try to work things out. And it, it's been some time now and, and you've made the difficult decision uh, or, or you're at the point where you need, you're at the point where you need to make the decision as to whether to leave or not. How do we go about doing that in a way that is appropriate and professional?
2: Burn all your bridges. Okay. Oh, God. No,
0: don't do that. Get a, oh. bo- get a box of matches.
2: <laughs> oh, no, not literally burn
0: anything. One by one, go to each person and... and and light the match, mm-hmm. the, the the metaphorical match. Um, I've seen that happen.
1: I'm gonna get a real match and just walk yeah. into the boss's office this and light it and hold it up um, and just just blow it out and be like, "You smell that?" That's how I feel about this job. It's time for me to go.
2: <laughs> build a bridge, build a bridge, a uh, model bridge out of wood, and take a match to it.
0: All the while, while you have a boombox on your shoulder that's blaring, "Take this
1: job and shove it." Thank you, David Allen Coe, for writing that and Johnny Paycheck for making it famous. Anyway, sorry. Digression to music. <laughs> Everybody looked at me like, how do you know that?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: what a great last name. <laughs>
1: you are from
0: um, a rural county in Missouri, so I'm not surprised. Wait, I live there now. That's not
1: where I'm from.
2: From a rural county in Illinois. And,
1: and, and I lived in Los Angeles. I'm, I'm alright. I've been all over. Um.
0: <laughs> so what do you do? You need to make the decision about leaving. You need to make the decision, or you already have. Yeah, you're in the midst of making the decision, and
2: sometimes someone will make yeah. it for you when you're ready to make that decision. <laughs> that's,
1: <laughs> that's true. Uh, if you are that down and out about your job, a lot of times somebody else will notice, and sometimes a manager will, uh, instead of choosing to try to talk to you about it, will choose to just let you go. <laughs>
0: That uh, you think is that bird is that bridge burning when that happens? Is that a burnt bridge?
1: I I think you've already burnt it. I think anytime you get let go, unless it's because you know we just lost a three million dollar customer and we can't afford to pay you anymore. If it's not that, um, yeah, then yeah, you've burnt a bridge. That's damaging. It's It's late, so you should make sure
0: that as you're as you're in this situation that you're trying to protect against burning that bridge because you never know what's going to happen in the future. Right. I mean, my father told me that from the time I was 16 years old and had my first job wrangling shopping carts at the local supermarket, you know, don't burn bridges. I'm like that. I've met a supermarket, you know, you never know,
1: son, you could work with that guy again one day. So so have you? Oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) and, and, you know, just because you're having a bad time with everybody at work now, you've probably had at least one good time with somebody there. And you don't want to leave with them not liking you either.
0: Yeah, and, and things could change at that company. I mean, they could, they could turn things around and it could become another, you know, you could want to go back there at some future point and maybe you'd have to work with some of those people again. So if you're getting, if it's becoming that bad, don't let yourself, my suggestion is, don't let yourself get fired. You know, get, get out of there before it gets to that level.
1: I think when you, yeah. so you, you've gotten to that level and you're leaving, you need to do it professionally. And I really suggest not walking in and saying, here's my two weeks, like write a letter, a letter of resignation. We're professionals. We should write a letter of resignation and tell them in that letter why. But make sure you do it in a way that is constructive, not demeaning. And maybe if there's a hundred reasons, pick one or two that are your top ones. Don't destroy them. And then also tell them something good that you had while working there. And let someone else read it before you go give it to the CTO or whoever you need to turn it into. Like, Like someone who doesn't work there, like your
0: spouse. I think that's a solid suggestion. I would also recommend that after you've written that, that you should not write it in immediately, hand in hand it in. You should write write it, take it home, sleep on it, read it again, and decide if you... And then you can let somebody else, of course, read it in that same time. But before you get to the point, Amos, where you're ready to do the resignation, I think that you need to be transparent with the project and the organization that this is eminent. So before you, I don't think it should be a surprise to your boss that you're unhappy because oftentimes people go and walk into the boss's office with their well-written letter and they say, I'm unhappy. I found another job. I'm giving you my two weeks notice. It's been nice working with you. See you guys later. Right. And then your boss reacts like, well, wait. I no, I didn't even know you were unhappy. So you don't. You never want the situa- You never want that situation where the boss says, "I didn't even know you were unhappy." You need to make it eminently clear that you're unhappy, and you should do that by providing some clear, transparent feedback to them that I'm unhappy. But here's don't just go and don't just go in there and say I'm unhappy because those are those are the kind of problem children that get fired. And watch out for the ultimatum. Yeah, no ultimatums, right? You're saying things aren't so good here. I think if we did X, Y, and Z, things could be better. And I just wanted to let you know that I'm, I'm not trying to be a problem for you. I'm just trying to recommend that there's ways that we could do things better, and I could be happier as at the same time.
1: That I think we can do X, Y, Z. I think is the most important part of that conversation.
0: Oh, definitely. Most come definitely. in.
1: Come in with at least a suggestion of a solution, even if it's not perfect, and maybe that gives them an idea for something even better. But that starts a conversation.
0: That's the minimum that I think you owe in that conversation. Is a is a set of suggestions. Nobody wants a problem employee that is just constantly in there saying, you know, the water in the water cooler is not cold enough, and the so and so keeps forgetting to flush the toilet and and the break room is always a mess right so you need to go in there with some set of um suggestions for improving your work your working environment and not just a set of complaints
1: and, and you know what even in your exit letter even after you are resigning if you have some suggestions add it in that letter it's not a bad thing to leave with still trying to improve the organization that you were in.
0: I think if you have followed all of these steps, if you've started with transparency with your boss, if you've taken uh, our advice of providing this constructive feedback and then being very crisp and formal in your, in your resignation by pr- providing this letter and, and by also, you know, providing information that you're like i've enjoyed working here i think that this is a great place to work and could be better if these things you know if you made if you made these sort of improvements i think that's a a nice set of circumstances to part ways on and that's a way to to not burn your bridge but to get yourself out of that job well guys that's all we have time for for our discussion this week's hottest picks. My pick is something that uh, I'm seeing more and more of. So a friend of mine at work, he showed up one day with this what looked like a a half necklace on. And what it was was this thing called the LG Tone HBS 730, which I think LG is discontinuing now. But it's a Bluetooth headset uh, that sits around your collarbone in the back of your neck and has a couple of detachable... Earbuds that you pull out and then plug into your ears. Uh, It's very comfortable. You can wear it all day. Holds a nice charge, and I use it for when I'm exercising, when I'm riding my bicycle or jogging, and listening to podcasts. And and just even if I'm just like unloading the dishwasher or straightening up the house, you know, it's a great way to use uh, listen to your music or to your podcasts. I, I never was a fan of. The Apple earbuds because they just didn't fit my ear right, and they always were falling out of my ears, and uh, and other other earbud type things, are ear earphones, earplugs would you know they had a cord on it, and if you're doing some sort of activity like bike riding or jogging, you could very easily get the cord snagged on something, and then yank the yank the little earbuds out of your ears, and that causes a problem. So if you like. Bluetooth headsets, I highly recommend the LG Tone. All right, Craig, what's your pick?
2: That sounds pretty cool. I don't really like Bluetooth headsets, but that one might actually be accessible. Um, my pick today is a uh, an article I came across recently called Storing Passwords Securely. Um, it talks about all the things you need to do and explains them, including hashing, salting, stretching, and rate limiting and uh, it tells you the three options you should use, which are not MD5 or SHA. They are PBKDF2, Bcrypt, and Scrypt. So it basically tells you how to do it right. Uh, And a similar article that that reminded me of was uh, an article called Falsehoods Programmers Believe About Names. And it's a bunch of things to make you think about, uh, to, to consider when setting up a name field.
0: I'm going to have to look into that. Thanks for those picks, Craig. Amos, what do you have for us?
1: So I only have one pick, and I actually heard about this from Jason Tice, so not everything that comes out of his mouth do I completely dislike. Um, (laughs) It's called Lean Canvas, uh, and I can't think of the name of the guy, but we're, we're going to put a link in to a PDF about what Lean Canvas is, which is just like a business plan on one page. Uh, almost like a way to organize your thoughts. Uh, I started looking at it the other day. I had an idea for something, and I started to write it out on Lean Canvas. At which point, I realized that I just really wanted to remake High Rise. Um, so instead, I'm probably just going to sign up for High Rise. <laughs> but uh, it was it was really nice exercise to go through, and I think it would be a great idea for anybody out there who's who's got a product idea. Um, or maybe even use it for an I for deciding between ideas that you might pitch to your team
0: was this kind of a, a mind mapping exercise Amos
1: kind of it's supposed to be like a, a one-page business plan okay is what it's really supposed to be uh, it's got an area for problem solutions some metrics uh, what is your unique value uh, what advantage do you have who are your customers Um how are you going to get it out to the world? What's what's the cost structure of it? And what are your revenue streams in it? So it's, it's kind of a f- more focused thing than a mind map. It's very grid drawn out. Um, I would say each one of the little areas in it, filling it in with a mind map would be a fantastic way to fill it in.
0: Okay. Well, guys, great picks. Great discussion tonight. Thanks for... So thanks for your time. Thanks for participating. And of course, thanks to all of our listeners out there. That's all we have time for today. Check out agilelife.com for these show notes and for all of our past episodes. Thanks for listening and keep living This, this agile, agile Life. This Agile
2: Life is brought to you by a community of agile developers and coaches <laughs> aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. For Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.